Watch out, Elon Musk. You know, when you get too powerful in this world, in this country, the Feds start to get a little bit nervous, especially if you're not in line with them. News today that the Federal Trade Commission is demanding that Twitter turn over internal communications related to Elon Musk, detailed information about layoffs at Twitter, and then this one is pretty darn spooky. The FTC is requiring Twitter to identify all journalists that were granted access to company records. Excuse me? It seems when you don't fall in line with what the left wants you to think, you're in hot water. And they're going to use whatever they can against you, which is exactly what Elon is about to go through right now. The elites are so worried that he is going to expose them. And so far, as he points out, they're not looking so good. I mean, to be totally frank, um, almost every conspiracy theory that people had about Twitter turned out to be true. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, if, is there a conspiracy theory about Twitter that didn't turn out to be true? Uh, so far, they've all turned out to be true. And if not, uh, more true than people thought. All right, there we go. You see why the federal government, the deep state, is very, very worried about Elon Musk right now. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Trisha again. Portions of today's program are brought to you by Legacy Precious Metals. If you're worried about inflation, if you want to make sure that your dollar has a chance at preserving some of its value in the future, you might want to take a look at precious metals, including gold. So when you do, go visit my friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com. Again, it's LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. Okay, here we go. The Federal Trade Commission is demanding all this information from Twitter, all under the guise that it wants to protect consumers' privacy. Yeah, right. Okay. We got to get into that. Plus, guess who's here today? The CEO of Babylon B, the company that found itself, remember, at the center of our free speech controversy, still does. But this was an account that actually got blocked by Twitter. And Elon Musk, what did he do first day on the job? He turned it back on. He said, comedy's back. Well, Seth Dillon, the CEO of the company, he's here. I mean, I'm sorry. When you cannot joke about the left when you cannot have a sense of humor about anything, then what on earth really is our world coming to? Anyway, this is serious business. The feds are taking direct aim at Elon Musk and Twitter. I guarantee you they want to shut the whole operation down. And it's because of this little thing called Twittergate. You know, all those files that happen to have the emails between the feds, the FBI and Twitter executives. We're learning more and more and more information about how our federal government aligned itself with Twitter management, all in an attempt to shut down speech and prevent conservatives from being heard. It happened over and over again. Elon Musk, you just heard him. He said it, but let's listen again. I mean, to be totally frank, um, almost every conspiracy theory that people had about Twitter turned out to be true. <laughs> yeah, this is making some people very, very nervous because... It seems like some of those conspiracy theories, as Elon Musk said, they have come to fruition. Representative Jim Jordan pointing that out as the House tries to get to the bottom of just exactly what the origin of the Wuhan, excuse me, coronavirus origin issue. Watch. But here's the question I keep coming up with. If, if it may have been a lab, may have been nature, we're supposed to look forward, then why did Dr. Fauci work so hard for just one of those theories? 
Three years ago, if you thought it came from a lab, if you raised that, you were called a nut job, you got censored on Twitter, you were blacklisted on Twitter, you were even called a crackpot by the very scientist who in late January sent emails to Dr. Fauci and said it came from a lab. They called you crackpot. Is that right, Dr. Redfield? I think the most upsetting thing to me was the uh, Baltimore Sun calling me a racist because I said this came from a Wuhan lab. Dr. Reptil, you, were, you're, uh, you, you ran the CDC and you were on the Coronavirus Task Force. Is that right? Correct. That was formed on January 29th, 2020. Is that right? Okay. So there are a lot of questions, a ton of questions. And I think that a lot could come out, a lot that could be quite damaging. Of course, Matt Taibbi has quite a bit of it. We learned from him, thanks to the Twitter files, that Deep State was all over Twitter. In fact, I will quote from his writing. He said, Twitter tried to resist fulfilling moderation requests for the State Department, but ultimately agreed to let state and other agencies send requests through the FBI, and everyone got a turn. You had every department imaginable. You had Treasury. You had Health and Human Services. You had Homeland Security. Also joining the campaign to silence inconvenient speech were, of course, the politicians, including Democratic Representative Adam Schiff. Remember, host of the Schiff Show, chairman of the House Intel Committee that came up with the whole bogus dossier thing that cost us so much time and money as a country? These people were pressuring an independent company to do their bidding. The feds don't want us to know about that. So they pretend they're investigating layoffs at Twitter because, oh, you lay off these people. We don't think that you're going to be able to do your job as a company. We don't think you're going to be able to protect everyone's privacy. That's what they're saying. But if that's what it's about, why do they want to know which journalist got the information about all these government requests? It's because they're worried. And it's not about consumers. They're worried about their own behinds. The FTC's spokesperson, however, says, and I quote, protecting consumers' privacy is exactly what the FTC is supposed to do. So the agency is, quote, conducting a rigorous investigation into Twitter's compliance with a consent order that came into effect long before Mr. Musk purchased the company. So that's interesting. Before the company was officially sold, the government got in there and insisted on Twitter signing a consent form. Pretty convenient, you know, because they all hate Elon and they're all freaking out that Elon Musk was going to buy Twitter, and he sure did. Well, the spokesperson continues saying, this is normal. The FTC routinely seeks information that companies must provide under consent order. Companies have to cough up the journalists that they're talking to because they signed this consent order. By the way, the consent order was signed by previous management, not by Elon Musk. Does anyone think it's strange at all that the feds are now forcing this consent order on the company or that they did that before it was transferred to Elon Musk? You know, Elon has responded in a couple of tweets calling the FTC's demands for information about journalists a, quote, serious attack on the Constitution by a federal agency and a, quote, shameful case of weaponization of a government agency for political purposes and suppression of the truth. He's right. He's right. The FTC is targeting Elon Musk. Democrat Lena Khan, she runs the place. 
This is a very desperate political move from her on behalf of the entire Democrat Party. Hey, China's got nothing on us. Remember Jack Ma? Jack Ma, founder of Alibaba, who dared to speak out against the government in China. And then all of a sudden you didn't see him for like a long time. I mean, it was weeks, months, he just kind of disappeared. We never hear from Jack Ma anymore. He used to sound off all the time. I mean, they have different ways of dealing with things in China, but apparently we got a system here too. And that's what this is about. Don't forget, you heard Jim Jordan say they blocked any conversation about the potential that the virus might have come from China, that the coronavirus might have come from the lab that was working on research for this very thing back where the whole thing broke out. I mean, ignore the obvious, right? They wouldn't allow you to talk about that. And then, of course, there was the New York Post reporting on the laptop. All turned out to be true, but no, New York Post had its account banned as a result until the FBI eventually came forward and said, yeah, it actually all has been authenticated. I mean, it's unbelievable. Twitter deplatformed Donald Trump, president of the United States, and yet allowed the Ayatollah to stay on there. I mean, it's bad. It was really, really bad, and it had effectively become an agency of the state. Wild stuff. And you know what else? (laughs) You couldn't even have a sense of humor. You can't have a sense of humor about anything these days. Babylon Bay, which is probably the funniest site out there, it's effectively the conservative version of The Onion. It is hysterical. Well, they found this out. Yeah, they found it out pretty quickly because that satire site was not tolerated by the left. Nobody has a sense of humor. Nobody can take a joke. And, you know, the left are so high and mighty. They never can show any self-deprecation whatsoever. So... You know, they got blocked. They got blocked a bunch, including on Twitter. Well, Elon Musk, he didn't appreciate it. He actually likes the Babylon Bee a lot. So when he took over the company, you know, the first thing he did was he tweeted out how comedy's back and he reinstated the account of the Babylon Bee. But he really wants to make this into the town square it was designed to be. Listen to Elon. That's a general idea. It's just um, to reflect the values of, of the people um, as opposed to imposing the values um, of essentially San Francisco and Berkeley, um, which are so, somewhat of a niche ideology um, as compared to the rest of the world. You think? You think. Anyway, coming up, as I said, Seth Dillon. He's the CEO of Babylon B. You're going to hear his unbelievable story But first, a word from some of our sponsors here today. You know, we all know the dollar's not going as far as it used to, which is why I want to tell you about Key City Capital, one of our great advertisers right here on the Trish Regan Show. Key City wants you to know that they believe their investments can offset the negative impact of this inflationary environment. For accredited investors, Key City offers cash-flowing real estate that can help Offer a hedge against inflation, they say, and some of the stock market volatility. We certainly have a lot of that. When home prices and interest rates rise, like they're rising right now, many families wind up delaying home ownership and consequently they choose to rent. Key City Capital owns thousands of rental units in the U.S., so this is, they say, beneficial to them. It offers an opportunity to invest in what could be a positive 
cash flowing income environment. So find out if they can help you. Contact Key City Capital, the team today. Try to grow, diversify your wealth, diversify your investment portfolio. Go to keycitycapital.com forward slash Trish. Again, keycitycapital.com forward slash Trish or call 817-912-1569. Meanwhile, if you did the tough thing during COVID and you stayed open and you pulled your business through and you kept all of your employees or some of them anyway through the pandemic, do you know that you can actually qualify for up to $26,000 per employee at covidtaxrelief.org? Government funds are available to reward companies with two or more employees who stayed open during COVID and you don't have to pay it back, which is pretty good. This program, it's a little bit complicated. Not everyone understands it, but this is a team that has 300 CPAs that do nothing but this. They're working on this around the clock, tax experts at covidtaxrelief.org. You pay nothing up front, they do all the work for you, and they share a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Businesses of all types, including nonprofits, including churches, can qualify, including those who took PPP loans, even if you had an increase in sales. So if you did the tough thing and the right thing, by your employees and you stayed open and you continued to employ them, then guess what? You have a chance to recoup some of those dollars. Just go to covidtaxrelief.org. You can get up to $26,000 per employee. Now, this is not guaranteed. No results are guaranteed, of course, but it's something to think about. covidtaxrelief.org. Again, one of our great sponsors here on the program. Another one of our sponsors here on the Trish Vegan Show is one that I I love talking about because it's a chance for me to talk about my dog who I just love so much. This is Fluffy. If you haven't met Fluffy, you need to take a peek at that beautiful little face. Anyway, Fluffy, Fluffy eats rough greens every single day. It's like his dog vitamin. And if Fluffy could talk and you know, I kind of think that he can sometimes. I mean, listen to him. He's trying to tell us something now, isn't he? Well, he's trying to tell us, make sure I get my rough greens. Eh? He would always be saying, make sure I have my vitamins. Make sure I have my rough greens. Well, you can get this for your dog too. You can get a free jumpstart trial bag of rough greens today. It's worth it. It's worth trying. All you have to do is pay for shipping. The founder of this company, Dr. Dennis Black, he's a naturopathic doctor, and he is making dog owners all over the country an opportunity that you kind of can't say no to because it's a free jumpstart trial bag. It's very possible your furry family member badly needs vitamins and minerals, digestive enzymes, omega oils, probiotics, and antioxidants. I mean, we need all that stuff too, right? But they need it as well. So we want our dogs to be healthy. The results can be really pretty incredible. I mean, I just anecdotally have seen a really big difference in Fluffy in terms of his allergies, he, he did actually struggle with some pretty significant allergies. I mentioned it to some of you guys, and you were wonderful. You came forward with all these ideas on how to treat the allergies, how to fix them. Well, this has made a huge difference. I think diet, nutrition, all of these things matter, not just for us, but for our dogs too. So it's important. Take a look at this. Go to roughgreens.com forward slash Trish. It's for friends of this show, roughgreens.com forward slash Trish. I'll also put the link in the show notes for you and get your free jumpstart trial bag. All you have to do, as I said, is pay for shipping. It's worth a shot, right? Anyway, with all this news going on, 
everything that's in the news cycle this week. I couldn't think of a more perfect guest to have on this program than my friend Seth Dillon, the CEO of Babylon B, a company that has sure seen its share of shadow banning and full-out banning. Seth, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. So I love your website. You know that. I've told you that many, many times before. I need that sort of levity, right, given everything that's going on. But you guys went through uh, H-E-L-L and back over the last couple of years, like <laughs> many of us did. But what was unusual yeah. about your situation, and I'd like you to speak to it a little bit. I also want to talk a little bit about the business of conservative media with you because you are uh, such an entrepreneur on that front. You've had to deal with this censorship in a way that is pretty extraordinary, even when it comes to humor. What's that been like? <laughs> well, I mean, we faced a number of challenges with our humor. You know, one of the things, which is kind of a funny one that doesn't really fit in with the censorship, but it, it has been a challenge nonetheless, is that half the time we make these jokes, they end up coming true. And so you have the situation where they're like fulfilled prophecies instead of punchlines. We have a, a spreadsheet where we're tracking them now. We have like 90 plus jokes that have come true, which is just kind of a, a crazy uh, sign of the times. I don't know if that's funny or disconcerting. I guess you can look at it either way. Disconcerting um, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> you, guys, disconcerting. Uh, you guys are futurists in a way. Yeah. yeah but, um, you know, it started out for us. The censorship really started. We experienced it in 2018 initially. Uh, you know, Facebook was facing a lot of pressure to crack down on misinformation. Basically, the idea was Zuckerberg was responsible for Trump getting elected because he let conservatives talk too much. You know, God forbid conservatives have a platform, you might end up with a Republican getting elected. Um, so, you know, they were trying to crack down on the spread of misinformation. They started fact checking things. They started working with partners like Snopes. And next thing you know, we ended up getting our jokes fact checked. We had the first one that was a really big deal was the CNN purchases industrial size washing machine to spin the news before publication. That was a joke of ours, which is just silly. It. <laughs> and it's like the image there is just this big washing machine with a CNN logo across the front of it. Snopes rates it falls. Facebook threatens to kick us off the platform if we keep spreading fake news. So, you know, we've been ever since then when that started, uh, we, start, we, we were dealing with this issue of our jokes continually getting fact checked, getting flagged for incitement to violence, getting flagged for hateful conduct. Um, that's been happening left and right. And now does it happen to the Facebook onion, by is... the way, because like, let's not forget, like the left has a version of this as well, yeah. which, by the way, is nowhere near as funny. I'm just going to say, but they've um, got the onion. You guys are babbly on B and yet you're getting subjected to this stuff. Uh, it does happen in a sense. So they do fact check the onion sometimes. And the onion has viral jokes that that, uh, you know, that people think are true. And so they do get fact checked. The difference is when they get fact-checked, you know, the fact-check is usually framed in terms of, oh, well, it's The Onion. It's a funny satire site. You should laugh. With us, it was different. With us, the fact-checks were treated as, you know, they're trying to dupe you. They've gotten away with this before. It's a ruse. It's a trick. It's misinformation under the guise of satire. That's how it was approached with us. And even the New York Times jumped on that. They called us a far-right misinformation site that traffics in misinformation under the guise of satire. So we had the media working with big tech to try to suggest that we're not an entertainment site, a comedy site. We are a misinformation, disinformation, propagandist outlet that's, yeah, trying, it's, to, it's that's trying to pull one on people. I, I heard a rumor that Elon Musk may have uh, purchased Twitter because of you guys. <laughs> Weren't you banned <laughs> over there too? Uh, we got kicked off of Twitter a, about a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, we made a joke that they consider punching down, which is a really interesting conversation to have about what exactly is punching down. And, and is it, I hear it all the time now. The first rule of comedy is don't punch down. And that's new to me. I think I thought the first rule of comedy was be funny, right? Isn't the first thing you're supposed to do is make people laugh and come. No, the first rule now is don't punch down, which means don't make fun of people who are beneath you. And I, I, I don't know. I, it's, the, it's the wildest thing, like to sit there and think to yourself, I shouldn't joke about those people. They're beneath me. I mean, it's just so, it's so condescending and awful to like have that thought cross your mind. But yeah, if you, if you joke about certain protected groups, the marginalized, the oppressed, you're punching down. Uh, I, we made a joke about Rachel Levine, uh, the, the health admiral in the Biden administration. Uh, USA Today had named Rachel Levine Woman of the Year. And so we replied to that with a satirical joke in defense of women and vanity, by the way. Yeah, you're, you're preaching to the choir on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a Rachel woman. <laughs> Levine, we said Rachel Levine is our pick for Man of the Year. Oh. Hey. So that was... <laughs> Fair game. That was right? misgendering. It was hateful conduct, uh-huh. uh, according to Twitter. And so that's what got us in Twitter jail. And they wanted us, look, it was a situation where it wasn't just censorship. I mean, censorship would have been if they said, look, this joke violates our terms. We're going to delete it and take it down. They didn't do that. They actually said, you need to delete it and admit that you engaged in hateful conduct. So... We refused to do that because we said, look, first of all, this joke is rooted in the truth. We don't believe that men can become women. The truth isn't hate speech. We're not taking this down. Mm -hmm. It's the truth and it's a joke. So, no, you can take it down if you want to. So we were at kind of like this stalemate with Twitter where we were stuck in Twitter jail because we wouldn't censor ourselves, which I feel like is subjugation, not just mere censorship. Elon noticed this. I mean, I, I know, that, know that he follows you guys. He loves your stuff. I've seen him retweet it. I, I think he's a brilliant guy, and I'm very hopeful that he can fix this insanity of censorship that's really going on in America right now with the Twitter purchase. But yeah, I mean, apparently he wasn't too happy about that, among many, many other things. Yeah. Well, the Washington Post reported that his first day in office as CEO, he said uh, he issued an urgent directive and said, bring back the Babylon Bee. So it was pretty cool to have him in our corner yeah. and fighting for – and it, what, what he tweeted almost right away was comedy is now legal again. So he loves humor. You see him post these memes all the time. He likes jokes. Um, he's been a fan of the Bee for a long time. He sat down with us on our podcast back at the end of 2021. Um, so, you know, he's – yeah, he's – I'm often asked, you know, did he buy Twitter just to free you guys from, from Twitter jail? And, I, you know, I, I would never say that that was the only reason that he did it. I think it was just – one of the reasons it was obvious to him that we have a speech problem. First of all, you have wokeness, which he thinks is a terrible mind virus spreading rampantly and the inability to push back on it because we don't have free speech anymore in the public square. And so he sees this terrible threat to civilization in terms of the ideas, the bad ideas that are spreading. And, and then this heavy handed censorship that's happening sometimes with government collusion, sometimes just these private companies doing what they want to do but essentially controlling the public square and controlling what you're allowed to say and what you're allowed to think, uh, which is also a problem. And so he wanted to step in and solve that problem. And, and the Babylon Bee was just kind of symptomatic of what was really going sure. on there at the No, roof, for so. sure. And, and I appreciate that he was willing to pay $44 billion to do it. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad that the to Delaware think of a court made sure it happened. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the business of new media right now, you have been on the cutting edge, really, as an entrepreneur, as someone who's investing in new media projects. But simultaneously, you know, you're confronting the censorship threat. So what is that like as an investor? On the one hand, it's a huge threat to the business. We've had our email service provider kick us off. Um, you know, obviously, we've had problems Whoa. with social media. We've had 
uh, you know, a lot of concerns about whether or not we're going to have issues with payment processing. There's constantly risk involved with um, with doing what we do because, again, you know, if the if it, a simple joke like saying that Rachel Levine is a man um, is is considered hateful conduct, uh, and hateful conduct is a violation of the terms of service of these various platforms, then you re- you're running the risk of suspension everywhere that you're operating, everywhere that you're doing business, and so. It's a challenging time to be speaking the truth to the culture, even in jest, which is a crazy thing to think about. But um, while it is a threat to the business on the one hand, because there's risk there, on the other hand, all of the efforts up to this point to suppress our voice have amplified it. And so there really is a sense in which this controversy is fuel for the business because it draws so much more attention to us. It backfires on them. Every time they do this, you know, Twitter taking down our account and telling us we had to delete that joke, that attracted the attention of the richest man in the world who ended up buying Twitter. So it's like, you know, we it's backfired on them in so many different ways. We've grown, our following has grown substantially, our traffic is up yeah. substantially. So we're better known and more widely shared and more wi- widely read than we ever have been as a result of the efforts to suppress us. So, well, that's, know, that's, that's good news. I mean, that's a silver lining and that, that says a lot about America and Americans. Because they, yeah. they, they, they don't appreciate the censorship either. Good. No, I mean, I think that that's, it, it, it's a victory for those in the conservative space. But there's a bigger question here. And I look at, for example, the ESG environment, uh, BlackRock controlling nearly the size, right? Uh, assets under management of US GDP. These guys yeah. have a lot of say in what Americans are allowed to invest in effectively. And so it's almost as though, just like you say, and this is sort of small level, but you think about it on a bigger level, people are coming and finding you and they are loyal to you. And that is excellent. Well, what happens with the overall economy, right? If this continues and you've got big corporations that are getting shut down because of this, well, you're not sensitive enough to this, that, and the other, you don't have enough transgenders on your board of directors or enough whatever, then don't we run the risk as a society of not keeping our edge, our capitalist edge, which has made us the success we are? Yeah, I think all of the, those efforts are completely self-defeating. And really what, what what's going to make the difference is how people push back on it and how people respond. You know, where do they spend their money? Um, are they willing to actually vote with their dollars? Uh, and move, take their business elsewhere when they start seeing this stuff being shoved down their throats. Um, a lot of it depends on the individuals, you know. And uh, w- w- in our case, with this situation where you have these woke ideas or, or policies or whatever that you have to abide by, you know, the ideology is baked into the terms of service. You have to agree to it. Um, you know, al- alternative platforms that don't play by those rules and don't enforce those kinds of rules are going to become more and more popular. I think the biggest challenge when it comes to speech is that there aren't really alternatives. You know, the reason that the Musk acquisition was so important and so notable is because he took over a platform that everybody is on. This is, you know, one of these town square type platforms with with hundreds of millions of users. And so, you know, you can't really build an easy alternative to that. He didn't go create one himself. You know, Parler tried, Gab has tried, all these other Getter, all these other platforms have tried to do this, but they're not a town square in the sense that everybody is on them. They're like a ideological echo chamber where you're just talking to your friends and family. So it's a real big challenge in the social media space where you want to be involved in the conversation because there aren't alternatives. There has to be protection basically for us to be able to have our political viewpoints where we're not discriminated against for the views that we're expressing. 
Um, and whether that comes from some kind of a court order or changes to the law, it'll be really interesting to see. There are laws right now. There's one that was passed in Texas and it was upheld by the Fifth Circuit Court that just simply makes it illegal for these platforms to engage in viewpoint discrimination. It doesn't force them to speak. It doesn't stop them from speaking. It's not a First Amendment issue for them. All it does is pre prevent them from discriminating against their users. They can't censor and call it speech. Yeah, I think it's the biggest issue of our time. I really do. Seth Dillon, you're on the front lines of it. Thank you so much for joining us today. Everybody should go to the website. I mean, if you, if you have, I'm assuming that my viewership knows this, but if they don't, please go to the Babylon Yombi. You will, you'll laugh. I promise yeah. you, you will laugh. And you guys have a podcast as well. We do. Yeah. Yeah. It's and you'll laugh there as, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's been described as lengthy and uh, audible. Excellent. Hey, Seth, great to see you. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Again, my thanks to Seth. Go check out his podcast. Go check out Babbly on B. You'll, you'll definitely get a good laugh. I promise you. Anyway, great to have you all here. If you have not subscribed to the channel, do me that favor. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and the bell. The bell is like super important. Then you know when I have a show. Please do that on YouTube, on Rumble. I'm all over social media, so make sure you check all those accounts from Facebook to Instagram to Twitter. <laughs> I like Twitter a lot better these days. I really do. I just hope that Elon Musk can fix this. But I will say this, like if there's anyone that could, it's probably him. He single-handedly, and I mean single-handedly, because he was sort of up against a lot of forces that did not like him or what he represented. He single-handedly created this electric vehicle energy that now all of a sudden the left is all gun-ho about. And yet they don't like him. All right, we got a big show coming up for you tomorrow. We got to get into... Uh... <clears throat> all right, we got a big show coming up for you tomorrow. We got to get into the border situation. You've got the head of our intelligence saying that we don't have enough personnel to address the fentanyl crisis. There's some video that surfaced of none other than Joe Biden from back in the 1990s recommending that we militarize the situation there, the control, the drug crisis coming in over the border. There are a lot of things that can be done that should be done. Unfortunately, things get a little too political, but we're going to cut through all that noise. I'll see you right back here on the show tomorrow. Until then, don't forget to subscribe and share. <laughs>